This is a Highway Citizen production. I said you will clap for the veteran. I don't give a fuck. You clap, damn it. I run these streets. I am the angry black male out west, Azel Williams. And I am the angry black male out east. Um, you know, shout out to all my shout out to all my my vets and operators in Call of Duty Vanguard. Um Tujio Nyabuchi. You know, I actually did call Salute my the sister. Real heroes. A... Salute the real heroes yeah. in Vanguard. I called my sister on Thursday because I realized uh, I was I was at a, a class, a workout, and we did a incredibly hard workout <laughs> that had been created by a, a, a serviceman who fell, um, and the workout was um, was difficult. And afterwards, I was like, you know, I actually have veterans in my family that I don't like actually celebrate this day for. And so I called my sister. And I acknowledged her because uh, I do, uh, I appreciate what she did in the Navy. Uh, that being said, uh, that's a lot different from a federal goddamn judge demanding it, which feels a little awkward and antithetical yeah. to the American experiment, I would think. I mean, this sort of, you know, majestic neutrality of the judiciary is perhaps a little called into question when a judge demands that of everyone in his court. I don't know. Is that a Maybe thing? That's just me. Is that a thing? You're saying you're saying words, but I don't know. Uh, I think what we have all really learned in in the past, specifically like five six years, is just how much of of the law is the law and a norm is a norm, and just how I've said it before, but I say I'll say it again. Like, if your norms aren't enshrined as laws, <laughs> then uh, you're you're heading towards destruction. So this week we're finally gonna do it. Which something Tochi and I have have, re, have restrained ourselves from talking about. We're going to talk about uh, now that they have come to closing arguments, uh, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, the just overprivileged, <laughs> perfect human embodiment of probably exactly why we're not going to be around for a lot longer as a country. First, we're going to talk about uh, COP twenty six as that is wrapping up and the uh, change in the dynamic for developing countries and how developed countries are trying to trying to make sure they don't have to pay back for the terrible things they did and the demonstrable body count on us. And then uh, the last topic we're going to talk about here, and I know I'm bouncing all over the place because it's Saturday. Uh, I've, I'm Tochi can actually see. Y'all can't see. I'm sitting in a forest of boxes uh, in my half-packed apartment as I'm, I'm uh, getting ready to go. Uh, but we're going to talk about Astro World finally at the end of this episode and the tragedy uh, that took place there. Um, in general, I consider Travis Scott in, as a person to be a tragedy, but that's just me. I'm old wow. school. Wow. Old man. Wow. Yeah, that's right. I said it. You, what? you cut two songs. You're an asshole. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, how many, uh, how many of our legends have, like, you know, have done a song? 
you know, you need to I check know. that hypocrisy at the door. Okay? I'm probably gonna beat. I'm probably gonna go back and beep that out in the edits because at some point I'll probably work for him. But uh... stand, stand by your claims, King. Oh. <laughs> Tochi, uh, I don't know, man. It's 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 been a heavy week for me. It's been an exhausting week. Um, besides the packing that I'm doing, uh, we are we're in production on my show. Um, like I, I'm just it. The holidays are, are smacking us in the face. If uh, I, it did occur to me, I, I, I do this show with you. Who every week you remind me if you if you're gonna buy something, you should probably buy it now. I haven't bought shit, <laughs> and I should probably do that for my family. <laughs> How was your week? I mean, I you know I what is time? What is time really? I don't. <laughs> I don't remember how my week was. Um, stuff happened, I think. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things, too, where, and this is something I think was talked about quite a bit during the, you know, the quote-unquote height of the pandemic. Um, I hesitate mm. to attach things like, or labels like height to this sort of ongoing thing that's going on because, you know, one person's height I, is I, another person's I looked trauma. at the Times this morning. I looked yeah. at the Times this morning and I didn't realize it, and we aren't talking about it, but, like, a thousand people died yeah. on Thursday. yeah. Yeah, and that's like, sort of that's just sort of where we're coasting these days. Yeah, that's like the, like it's not even mentionable at that point. Um, but it was how how people are sort of, you know, bouncing off the news um, and not necessarily being as embedded or as like, you know, even on a surface level, as engaged as they were, say, for instance, during 45's presidency or at the sort of nators therein or even even mm. prior when a lot of issues um, of social justice, particularly around the you know, extrajudicial killings of black Americans was really reaching its height. Or there was a period of time where, you know, when there was the, the promise, the eventual, the, you know, the, the promise of the potential that, you know, criminal charges could be brought against 45 while he was in office where everybody was a constitutional law scholar for like two weeks. Um, and now that's not necessarily the a case beautiful anymore. Time. You see, you, I think, you know, a lot of people sort of bounce off or they encounter the news glancingly, um, you know, for a number of, of personal reasons. But that's sort of the place that I'm occupying at the moment. There's just a lot of stuff happening in, in my life right now. A lot of good stuff, but also a lot of just like neutral stuff. Um, so, mm. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to keep my head above water is really what it boils down to. Well, speaking of keeping your head above water, that's <laughs> like like seamless. what I did there. Yeah, nice. Thank you. You serve it up. I slam it down and point, point at it. Uh, this week, we have reached the end of the COP26 UN Climate Summit in Glasgow. Uh, and they went over time to really show that they're really committed to doing something eventually, maybe kind of sort of about climate change. This week, we saw the UN... Uh, even themselves acknowledge that what they had agreed upon has been middling at best. And while they are struggling to land on a specific date to uh, curb emissions and actually the specific extent as to what how they will curb emissions, i.e. demanding the end of use of fossil fuels and petroleums, what we have is an agreed is something that will come out of this as an agreement that everyone already acknowledges is a little lackluster. But what uh, Tochi has pointed out that has come out of this that is kind of interesting is how developing countries see themselves as part of this conversation. They have uh, grown and evolved and realized that they will they are not simply here to be you know pushed around by bigger countries with bigger economies, uh, and that they're, they're the impact of the climate 
on them has been uh, devastating in ways that it hasn't been in some developed countries. So Tochi, uh, let's just to give the listeners a little bit of background on on how we do the show. Uh, mm-hmm. When we were bouncing back and forth, what we should talk about, you were like, I think we should talk about COP26. And I was like, I feel like we've talked about it uh, three weeks in a row. That, that might be enough. But you, you really did make a, a strong point that um, there, there, there's a noticeable and, and, and should be acknowledged change in who is sort of at who, how this conversation is being discussed on a global level. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how smaller countries are are asserting themselves and and how we are how some um, funds and actually acknowledgments of uh, of uh, crimes <laughs> are either being set up or completely avoided by bigger countries? No, certainly. I think it's you know it's a combination of things. I think, and one of which is the increasing the increasingly vocal nature of statements from smaller countries, um, countries with with lower GDPs, countries in the global south, the developing world, that are calling for the developed world to stop dumping its garbage um, in their yard and to stop the fact that the developed world is responsible for the vast majority of greenhouse gas emissions um, that fuel more extreme storms and hurricanes causing widespread destruction that can cost billions of dollars. Um, That is a fact that's being brought into stark relief. And the fact that that you know, for instance, the Barbados Prime Minister Mia Motley um, can say things like that at a climate summit um, like this and call it unjust and immoral and say that it's wrong um, is in mm. and of itself a development. But I think sort of in tandem with that, we have the increasing accuracy and capabilities of science and particularly climate science to thank for the fact that we can pinpoint now the increasing intensity of a lot of these storms and disasters and whatnot, specifically to climate change. Uh, we used to not have necessarily the nature of scientific capabilities to be able to say, oh, this storm is 15% stronger because of the level of greenhouse gas emissions that are being, Hmm. um, you know, sort of in the air right now. But now we can say that. In Fiji, like it used to be that, you know, people would experience, like generate, like a couple generations ago, people would experience one category five cyclone in their lives. And people of this generation have already seen three. Um, yeah, we need to really just adjust how we talk about these things because yeah. they're not gonna they're not gonna be once in a generation. Exactly. Like, like we that we they might be like El Ninos. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, exactly. Like like yeah. islands are like islands. Whole island nations are sinking. Um, mm-hmm. All that stuff. And so one of the one of the more interesting things that has come out of this Glasgow summit is the talk of a loss and damage fund, and that is not to be confused with the the promised 100 billion per year in climate finance, quote unquote, that developed Mm -hmm. countries have said that they're going to issue to help poor nations reduce their emissions through things like renewable energy and sustainable agriculture. Um, Developed countries have not yet delivered on that goal, unsurprisingly. Um, And part of that is because, I mean, I mean, who would have thought, right? Who who would have thought? Who would have thought? Wealthy people like parting with their money that's what i've heard that's yeah they just, no, that's they let the it they just love letting wisdom. it trickle down yeah they watch it trickle down like a zen garden a fountain in a zen exactly. garden. exactly 
Um, and part of this is because each country gets to determine its own contribution. Um, so you can imagine <laughs> how that might Can you go. imagine... You imagine going out to dinner with a bunch of friends and you can and you can order like the lobster and the bisque and and the the like noodles and I'm also going to get me you know just just shave on some truffles shave on some real truffles on there yeah. and at the end of the dinner it's like you get to decide which portion of the yeah. check you want to pay It's like oh I'm going to pay for the water <laughs> that was free like that's <laughs> like come on and it's so oh my God. so what many developing countries are saying in the face of this is that that funding doesn't help them deal with climate impacts that they're already experiencing. And that drives no, home the point that climate change is already here. It's not a thing that's going to happen in 2050. It's a thing that's already happening. It's a thing that has yeah, been happening. Like, it, And can I just say, that's what drives me mm -hmm. maybe the most crazy about this is we keep doing capitalism is going to kill us mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. this isn't you can't buy another climate <laughs> like there's no amount of money like there's an um, there's an amount of money these pe these countries deserve because of what we have done to the world like as a show of contrition but like to constantly be talking about us somehow like buying out the the things that not only we have done in the past but now we damn right out no yeah. <laughs> like yeah. like you say the science the science is a hundred percent clear on this yeah. like we know we're doing it and whenever what what just as opposed as opposed to saying like no we'll stop doing something no 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 we'll create a fund that maybe sort of you'll get some money out of uh you know it's like residual checks it's kind of like <laughs> residual checks <laughs> Yeah, and it's 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 a nice it's a nice surprise when I found I when I find out that someone somewhere is apparently watching a show I worked on three years ago. Yeah, no, it's I mean you know always always nice to get that check in the mail. But I mean I think it yeah. goes it goes to the I'm larger, going to Arby's. Yeah, it goes to the larger <laughs> sort of um, philosophical dynamic that you know for instance oil lobbyists have been parroting, which is that you know, climate change isn't their responsibility. It's up to individuals to use fucking compostable straws and to recycle and shit. That's the thing that's hey, going to hey, heal the ozone layer. Hey, like, they need to stop doing smack. I'm just out here <laughs> dealing some horse, all right? Exactly. Now, if they... <laughs> exactly. If these drug users want to stop doing drugs, I, I think they should. Meanwhile, I will be providing the greatest quality premium shit you can find. Exactly. Got that blue lightning. Got what? <laughs> <laughs> got that I got, I got that blue magic i got that natural disaster you know i got that natural disaster but yeah like in 20 i got that five 100 year flood oh my god got that 100 year flood oh i feel like uh i'm watching a show right now a very uh, i don't i don't i don't often give recommendations but let me just say there's a show called fairfax on amazon right now it is painful. It it's painfully funny. It also makes me painfully glad I'm an adult now. I am not a kid growing up in this culture. Mm -hmm. uh, but they have a young rapper on the show whose name is Young Paluta. Wow. <laughs> and, I mean, and he literally just raps about fucking up the earth. <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel and like it's we're not there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, our last topic. We'll, we'll we'll get there but yeah. anyway i'm sorry i interrupted but yeah like in 2020 natural disasters caused 210 billion dollars of dam in, in damage worldwide 210 billion right and so mm -hmm. you know at at the 2015 paris climate summit like countries signed an agreement recognizing the need to address loss and damage right but mm -hmm. 
as you can probably guess, developed countries pushed to include language that specified it did not provide a basis for any liability because they feared, rightly so, that admitting responsibility for their share of heat trapping pollution would expose them to paying developing nations every time a disaster hit, which is like a really consequence? actually we do not enjoy likely. those. We, yeah, that's like we are really, not that's what we are not anyway. fans of consequences. We are very allergic to them. Uh, we yeah. we just don't like them. So if we could not face them, that would be great. Yeah, Can I have more of your delicious mangoes now? Exactly. Give me more. No, mangoes. but like actually, <laughs> let's import more of your spices. Meanwhile, we're going to completely fuck up your forests. Like, yo, 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 that nutmeg. Give me that shit. You're right. Yo, I need that cardamom, man. I need that. I need that cardamom. But like, and here's the mm. thing: there are already court cases underway around the world to establish liability for climate change, either seeking damages from from governments or fossil fuel companies. So that horse is already out the barn door. Like and mm -hmm. a lot of countries now, in the absence of a a specific loss and damage fund, are still trying to pursue liability against you know the developing countries for you know the impacts of climate change. And I think one of the things that we might be seeing more and more now is you know for instance small island countries seeking compensation through international courts. And so this is a thing that like you can't if you're a leader of a developing country you can't. You can't. The plausible deniability doesn't doesn't work anymore. Does, like we have the science yeah. now. We have the science. We can point to the. We can pull a Katie Porter and point to the bar. You know, bar graphs and the the charts and mm -hmm. all that shit, and point to your specific role in the fact that now fifty. Also, your of my your profits. Yeah, and your profits, and we can we can literally draw a causal arrow between that and the fact that you know, 15% of my country's landmass is now like underwater or on fire. Like we your portfolio cost about 20 to 40% of my like food ability, yes. like food growth and population. Yeah. So like that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that I think yeah. is, is something worth, worth talking about with regards to cop 26, I think in terms of, you know, results and and actual commitments and stuff. It's sort of a fool's errand expecting anything productive to come from this sort of thing for exactly the reasons that Zell you were talking about earlier with regards to rich people, um, you know, being allergic to consequences and claiming responsibility for things. Because really, if we wanted to take action on cl on climate change on something like that, that's what would need to happen. It's like rich people yeah. would have like, to be like, uh, okay, like I'll do my part or my bad or whatever. Because, you know, the point that is being made by these countries, by these developing countries, is that climate change has been happening already. And, you're, like, and, and so you for, need to pay for it. And I do want to clarify, because I know I just said, like, capitalism is going to kill us. And then I was also saying that we should pay these people. I think we should pay because... For whatever reason, we, we are addicted <laughs> to not changing the way that we do things. And the way that we do things is with money. And we should have less of it because, and we, also because of what we've taken from like, people. Reparations isn't capitalism. So, like, you can pay me money. Yeah. And I can still say fuck capitalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like... Well, but the, the, exactly, exactly. The other part of this that drives me crazy is that there there isn't enough conversation about non-fiduciary, like, re repayment. Yeah. So, for instance... Every single developed country should be taking more refugees. Yes. Like, yes. hands down, flat. Yes. Like, to, if you specific, like, specifically for areas that have, like, 
climate cha- climate refugee programs. And we, we're not seeing major numbers in that from COP26. Every single um, nation who develop, who who has like raked this planet for its resources and pumped carbon in the air and made it harder to live should also be sending out not only just money, but like general, it sounds stupid to say this, but like, cause you can buy goods with money. I understand that. But like people don't, people need like, hospitals now mm-hmm. people need mm-hmm. like re- replacement for foods foods mm-hmm. that they can't grow now mm-hmm. like here i am a fucking fiend i have a guy who roast my coffee <laughs> i'm not lying to you guys i'm not not trying, to, not trying to ball out here middle class god damn i'm not trying to ball out here <laughs> but like co- when when we went into the pandemic i went out of my way to find l- the best coffee la has to offer and i found a guy literally a guy <laughs> i'm not gonna tell you his name I'm, he's my yes. I'm not gonna tell you his name because I don't want other people to blow up his spot. But like, there's gonna be a point, probably in my lifetime, where I will have to explain to my grandkids the joys of a good cup of coffee because we won't have the ability to grow it anymore. Yeah. Because we fucked up the parts of Brazil and yeah. like, yeah. um, shit like that. Like, I'm not hearing enough conversations about how to like right now, like fix the either fix the places where this is happening. Or move those people to a place where they can have a better life. Mm. And that, to me, that the thing that drives me crazy about this is, like, when it comes to things like resettlement, that's something we can do very easily. Mm-hmm. Like, we just open up our borders to them. Like, we, we work with, uh, like, in America, specifically, you work with HHS mm-hmm. and make it easier for people from places, like, that are affected to do that. And we just are, we're avoiding the easy, obvious things in a lot of, in a lot of the, the, um, resolutions they seem to have come to, and that's kind of what drives me crazy about it. I think I think part of me didn't want to talk about it for a third week, Tochi, because of what probably the corporations are betting on, which is the exhaustion mm-hmm. I feel about constantly knowing what to do. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I... like you ever you ever see a kid, you ever see like a small kid mm-hmm. who is just like. I know how to tie my shoe. And it's like, buddy, I know, I know, I know we've worked on it. I know you know how to tie a shoe. I just got to get out of the house. And like, I want to do it. And you just, you want to, mm, but you got to, you, you just got, you just have to watch them attempt to tie their shoe for like 40 minutes where you could have left. Yeah. That's what it sort of feels like. Only I have no love for the people in this yeah. situation. Well, so I want, so I do want to smack them. No, exactly. <laughs> so I, so the other, so the other weekend I, I had the pleasure of meeting, um, a, a geologist and, cli- and climate scientist who, you know, teaches and is a, is a dean at the Yale School of Forestry. She does a lot of work with regards to urbanization and climate impacts and all that stuff. And, you know, I was talking with her and, you know, I asked the question, like, you know, given the state of things, how do you not be all doom and gloom all the time? And how mm-hmm. do you not, mm-hmm. like, you know, sort of succumb to that? How is that not the baseline? And, and, yeah, and, right? and related to that, um, <laughs> like how how do things like you're a you're a scientist like in this like how do you see things? You know the shit. Yeah, like how you do you know see- the shit? Yeah, and and her you know her response was twofold, um, and I think this ties into something that we have seen at COP twenty six, which is you know the incredible work being done by the young climate activists, and you can see that there is very much an age gap between the people that are making these decisions with regards to agreements and promises and all that stuff, and the people protesting mm-hmm. saying that's not enough, right? And so tied to that was her response, which was that, you know, you just got to, you know, these old people just got to die off. 
Like, well, like that's no, but like that, like well. that's though, like that was <laughs> that was her response. Like those were her words. Was that you know the the powers that be like they they just have to die. They have to. It's not I want to like, ask you it's though. Not that's like they that's have actually to a question power. I have for you. Like it's not just that they have to like seed power or like not get reelected. And that was oh they're they're married they're married to the game. Exactly. They're gonna and they're like, only gonna go down that, with the game. That like, was what was interesting <laughs> was that her response wasn't necessarily a like you know personal responsibility thing on the part of voters it wasn't like, zen it wasn't yeah, meditation it she was like i am waiting for motherfuckers to, to hit the ground yeah no it's like it wasn't <laughs> oh we have to like campaign to like vote these people out and vote in politics i might have more to kill a bitch yeah no it's literally with this, like with this geode we just gotta <laughs> we just gotta 86 these motherfuckers like they just that's it like that <laughs> i mean and I was it, like, does, that's, it genuinely that's does really feel real. like that's really real i mean that's what i was gonna ask you because i am old enough to know, to have friends who um in the 90s would constantly go to the economic summits mm -hmm. and would constantly be protesting outside of there that those were oh man those are the fun ones where they were like tear gas and shit yeah. and and, <laughs> yeah. and the fucking evil leaders of the world were just could not give a fuck as they ate like steaks and oysters inside and were just like look at these yeah. protesters while the How fucking like jackboots were outside with their riot shields and their batons beating, beating the fuck out of, yeah, out of people like it was for... out, like it was a scene out of children of men or something and i have to say it's without beating up greta thunberg that, that's not happening but like i yeah. do have to say I get that similar vibe and it breaks my heart because mm -hmm. those friends of mine who were outside of those economic summits are now, you know, 50, 55 year olds. And here we are. So do you do you take that same hope and optimism that this scientist does from from seeing the youth out there marching? Yeah, no, to to a certain extent, I think she did, you know, to a certain degree, change my mind about that, or at least sort of adjust my perspective. Um, at the same time, it is a bit like how we thought that video recordings of cops whooping our ass and killing us would result yeah, in more yeah. like cops being punished and shit. And that is very much like the opposite of what happened. So I do think there's mm. that, but I do think that we have hit an inflection point in that. And here's the thing. Here's the distinction. Um, rich people, like people that are in their 50s and whatnot, are experiencing climate change in the developed world. If you live in California, mm -hmm. you're experiencing, like, if you live anywhere oh. in California right now, you're experiencing yeah. climate yeah. change. Like, that's, like, hey, and that's, it's, that's it. It's November, it's November 13th. It is 87 degrees. Exactly. Exactly. Like, whether it's 87 whether degrees it's, out in LA. Like, whether what it's you got a ration water or your, your whole ass town has burned down for the third time in like two years, you're experiencing climate change. If you have to deal with fucking mm. hurricanes, fucking Hurricane Harvey, like, that's, you have to, you have to deal with that. Like, that's, and, and I think yeah. that's one of the biggest things one of the biggest differences between something like, you know, cops killing us and beating our asses and us getting it on camera and that not changing anything is that, you know, that is, that is largely happening to people of color. That is, you know, in many, in many instances happening to, you know, black Americans, but climate change is happening to all of us. Um, hmm. Your income bracket doesn't shield you. Um, and that, I mean, that's why motherfuckers are trying to go into space right now. Right. Like it's like, yeah. you know, but so I think that's another <laughs> the warmth embrace of the vacuum of space exactly. yeah that sounds like a great idea yeah. um we you know what? let's leave this topic on that hint of slight optimism yeah, right. and again tochi just serving it up like freaking serena williams mm -hmm. speaking of 
people getting away with murdering us. Uh, so this week was the uh, closing. We were about to enter the closing arguments, excuse me, of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial in Wisconsin. This is, of course, the young man who lied about having any medical skills and showed up at a protest, strapped up with an automatic rifle, and shot three people, including one of them in the back. And yet, <laughs> some uh, he has claimed to uh, have done this out of self-defense, and that is the argument he has been putting forward. Uh, we have stayed away from this as a show because we didn't want to get into the bleakness of it. But now that we've approached, now that we're approaching the end of the trial. Uh, and now that there have been some, frankly, heinous uh, uh, courtroom decorum, shall we say, decisions by the sitting judge of this trial, we felt like there's enough to talk about here without just being like, we're never going to get justice. So, uh, Tochi, I got to ask you, I've, uh, the media, the general media, and I mean NPR, your New York Times, um, has gone out of their way to a point that it, it disturbs me to stress how difficult of a case this is from a legal standpoint because of laws set in place for people to not only openly carry in the state of Wisconsin, but to, you know, defend, quote unquote, defend themselves, including I want I really want to stress this, the shooting of a man in his back, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Uh, who was unarmed. Um, You are the one with the law degree here. Do you agree that there is some type of legal nuance here? Is this just something that, like, normal people's morality and the law just don't sync up on? I think the big thing here is having to prove intent. And that's the thing that a lot of these local sort of stand your ground laws or, you know, any sort of variation Mm -hmm. of a self-defense thing, whether it's castle doctrine or whatever... That's the thing that those laws fuck up, is you have to prove oftentimes, depending on the charge, that the intent in committing a particular action was mm-hmm. to take someone's life, right? And that should be a very straightforward, you know, on its face, that should be a very straightforward thing to, to think about. You're like, oh, if you point an automatic rifle at someone and you pull the trigger, you're intending to take their life, right? But there, that's the thing where all sorts of nuance sort of injects itself because that causal arrow gets very complicated because that requires you having to dive into the mind of the person who pulled the trigger and basically divine their intentions. And that's something that motherfuckers can lie about. That's something that they can obfuscate. They can say, oh, but I like shot him in the leg or like I was aiming for his leg or I didn't mm-hmm. think that my bullet would kill him or I, or most popularly, I thought I was in danger of losing my life. And so I fired my weapon. And so that's the thing that gets complicated by all these things is you have to you have to prove intent in a lot of these instances. And that's where a lot of these cases fail. Um, So you can you can catch a manslaughter charge by not intending to kill someone, but that but their death still Mm -hmm. being the result. Um, But it's the intent aspect that gets sort of muddled and everything. And oftentimes the best way for a defense to sort of block that causal arrow um, is through a sort of doctrine of self-defense. And so if you have local laws that justify the shooting, particularly with an automatic rifle of another person on the grounds of self-defense, then your case is pretty good that your client's going to walk. It does not help, it does not help that 
you know, you have a judge whose ringtone is a musical tune commonly played at Trump rallies. Um, that mm-hmm. certainly does not help your case if you are the prosecution trying to put this kid. Who away. also won't allow the, the people who were shot to be called victims. Exactly. There's that. There's also <laughs> the fact that, you know, the video footage of actual of actual parts of the shooting was disallowed because mm. the judge believed erroneously that the pinch to zoom function um, would alter mm. the footage. Um, yeah, no. Everybody knows that when you do that on your iPhone, it goes into it automatically goes into Photoshop. Yeah, no, it, it puts Photoshop it puts, and it, changes the photo. It puts an automatic Snapchat filter over everything. Absolutely. Exactly. That's why everybody's got so your dog bullets. Ears. Your yeah. bullets look like you. They're vomiting rainbows. Exactly. That's how exactly. Work. That's that's obviously what happens. At a certain point, you should not be allowed in society. Like I, I refuse to fuck with TikTok, and I'm sure at some point <laughs> I will be punished for that. But I, I accept TikTok. that. TikTok's my last like, I, safe place on the internet. That's that's the thing. I don't know if there is a safe place on the internet. Well, like, like that's that's the, I know that's the thing. Like TikTok's <laughs> my coffee plug. And I've so carefully curated uh, my algorithm and my for you page that like okay, touchy for for you, I will share my coffee plug. All right, no, if it means no, getting off TikTok, yeah. he ships. He does ship. He will ship to wherever you are in the continental United okay, States. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk offline. We'll talk offline. Okay, but yeah, right. so like that's <laughs> so going back to the trial, like that's the thing is you. There's oftentimes in this sort of instance, you have to prove intent, and if you're defense attorney if your defense for the you know the if your defense representation that's the thing that you're trying to fuck up as much as possible because it's the prosecution that has to prove intent and it's not necessarily yeah i know i'm just so used i am always so used to uh the prosecution basically doing whatever they want like the the judge in this case at one point chastised the prosecution um for ref for referencing and now i forget it i don't have the article up but basically in their questioning they were they were calling i believe they were they were referring to the video that he had excluded and they reprimanded them for like mentioning this video meanwhile the prosecution can't mention th- as as this little asshole is up here commenting about like how oh he's so broken up and blah blah, blah. He, the the judge is not allowing them to mention the fact that he was out to dinner with his parents where he was seen live at a bar wearing a shirt that said free af like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i d- it, it it feels i okay there was a point this summer earlier this year where i was working on this uh this murder trial that happened in florida uh it was involved uh um four black men who were uh, falsely accused of raping a white woman and Thurgood Marshall was involved in it. And the case took place in between 1940, I think it was 1949 through 1952. And this judge seems exactly like the judge in that trial, except for the judge in that trial actively called them niggers. Like yeah. the, that's yeah. basically the only difference yeah. between them. And I, it's staggering <laughs> to yeah. see, to like have, to have gone from this period of my, of, of the year where I was doing all of this research into a trial from pre-civil rights era, yeah, where you expect this to happen regularly, to a trial where usually this kind of shit happens, you know, behind closed doors, quietly. There's a lot of talk around not allowing, you know, uh, the 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 left to uh, to like make their arguments, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. That's the type of judicial restrictions I'm used to. Yeah, no, the type that it's just the type that become it seems Aaron, weird. The type that become a basis for an Aaron Sorkin movie, right? Like, 
That's, yeah. yeah. So can we talk about this? Because you are, you're, you're one of the things that TV gets wrong all the time. And I say this to somebody who's worked for crime shows is how trials are run. So, for instance, if you've everyone has seen Law and Order, and everyone has seen like the defense and the prosecution stand up and walk to the stand, and if that happens in a real trial, you get tackled because you're not supposed to enter the well without the the, the like the allowing the judge to the judge allowing you to do it. But it's a thing we do because it looks better on camera and it's dramatic. And I this is a small example, but I feel like what we're seeing right now and what we're being reminded of is that so much that happens in a trial is based on the whims of one person, the judge, not really a law. It's just how they determine their courtroom. In your experience, is, is he, is this judge that wildly out of, out of pocket? Or is this sort of like, is, is it just that we're seeing it because we're paying attention to this trial and this kind of thing happens all the time? So th- what the what the judge is doing is a version of what judges all over the country do with regards to oftentimes it's their call if evidence gets introduced or not. Like it's their call. Either side can justify its inclusion or exclusion by pointing to, you know, this or that. Um, previous case law. Yeah. yeah, previous case law or even a rule, a federal rule of civil procedure, which is oftentimes the thing that governs how you know things can be done in courts like within the actual trials and everything. But it's often up to the judge to be like, okay, I'll allow it, objection sustained, objection, or that gives the jury instructions. It's the judge that will give jury instructions either during the course of the trial or as they're going into deliberations. So you can oftentimes hear a judge you know, address a jury and be like, okay, you've heard a lot of stuff today, but when you go to make your deliberations, think specifically on this question, you know, because like, Hmm. You know, you can hear a lot of emotional testimony, but if there's a specific... So the judge can, like, the judge can, like, basically guide yes. the jury as to, like, what they can rule. Yes, wow. exactly, exactly. And this is one of the reasons why, like, a courtroom is basically a judge's fiefdom. Like, there are rules, but, like, the judge is the one that decides whether... <laughs> there are rules, yeah, but... But then there are rules. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, Jesus Christ. Like, the judge I didn't is realize the... this is my daddy's house. What the fuck are you talking exactly. about? Exactly. <laughs> no, but, like, the judge is the one that is like, oh, that's past interference, or, like, lets it stand. Right? It's like it's mm. it's like that. And if you watch that, I think it was... Was it a Bears-Viking? The Bears were playing somebody last, last weekend. There was an egregious, egregious, like taunting penalty that got called against one of the Bears, one of the Bears players um, after they made this huge play. It might have been like a punt or something like a black punt. I, I forget the details. But like afterwards, they were talking about how there was no basis for the call and et cetera, et cetera. That penalty basically cost the Bears that entire game, the entire game. Hmm. And judges do shit like that all the time. Oftentimes, it's simply a matter of degree or a matter of sort of egregiousness with regards to how ostensibly related to the law discussed or the like federal rule discussed um, or not that it is. So the idea of whether or not, you know, certain, you know, people or characters in a trial can be referred to as victims or what they can be referred to. Like that's something that Mm -hmm. judges determine all the time. Like that, that was actually so surprising to me because Mm -hmm. I'm just used to 
crime victims, particularly mm-hmm. the dead, mm-hmm. being allowed to be called victims. Yeah, <laughs> like... exactly. Like because they can say, "Oh, calling them victims is prejudicial to the jury, or prejudicial against like your, you know, the other prosecution's client or whatever." Like that, and that's the thing. How dare is... we be prejudiced about this guy who no, came but, from out of state like, to, with a gun to shoot other people <laughs> with no medical training, claiming to be a medic? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And here's and this goes to a a. a central sort of feature slash bug of the legal system in America is that it takes it takes terms like prejudice and consideration and all this stuff and distorts it to have very specific meaning in a courtroom context. So prejudice is actually a term of art like in the legal profession that means a very, very, very specific thing. So it doesn't necessarily mm. mean prejudice is in like bias against somebody for their like, you know, for an immutable characteristic like their race or their opinions on Nickelback or whatever, right? <laughs> Prejudice means like... A th- One is okay, <laughs> the other is race. So, <laughs> so, you know, the but prejudice means a very specific thing, and that has very specific consequences for, you know, on the, you know, firstly, what evidence can be introduced or can't be introduced, what mm-hmm. you call, you know, the, the, you know, person on trial or various witnesses who are, witnesses who are on trial or other people that are involved in the facts of the case or anything like that, whether or not you're able to address the jury, what events you're able to actually talk about. So the idea, Mm. for instance, that he was wearing a t-shirt that said free AF afterwards, the very mention of that could be prejudicial to the extent that it outweighs the pro what they call the probative value. Sorry, I'm getting like really in the weeds about this shit. It's crazy. I, you know, the TV writer in me is just like, but it goes to state of mind. I don't know. Yeah. That's might be some bullshit I heard. Yeah, no, but like, like that's the thing is like at the end of the day, a lot of it is sort of mens rea, which is like the, the Latin term essentially for intent or state of mind or whatever. Um, but all of which is to say there are a shit ton of rules that are, you know, applicable during trials that it's the judge's discretion to enforce or not enforce. And that can mm. the, the enforcement or non-enforcement of which can cost certain sides the entire game. I do not really want to get into uh, guessing as to how this is going to, uh, uh, what's going to come out of this. I am curious if you think that this will be, will there be any uh, federal legislation to address the prevalency of, you know, quote unquote, like castle doctrine laws um because you know when we were in grad school it was trayvon martin um you know (laughs) it's every cop who ever gets into any situation it's it's pretty clear at this point that these are bullshit particularly if you go out looking for trouble i Mm -hmm. feel like and that was another argument that I feel like got washed over which this week, which is that like you're not the this, one the the right to carry doesn't didn't apply to him because he's fucking seventeen years old. That was discussed this morning, I think, on NPR. But like there's also the fact that like you're not a cop. Yeah. Like you're not a law enforcement officer. But like these laws basically make it so that anyone who claims to be, particularly white men, are. Mm-hmm. Uh do you think do do you think there is any like positive legislative outcome out of, out of all of this no no okay 
<laughs> like, Look, these I mean, motherfuckers have been trying to pass gun rights legislation for literally probably our entire lives, right? But I'm not even talking about gun rights legislation. I'm talking about ending... I don't even know how you would craft it, but ending this whole, mm-hmm. like, it's okay to shoot someone if you can, if you convincingly lie about your level of threat. I mean, <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that these, that these things, these, like, legal defenses and whatnot are bullshit, but you have to ask, like, bullshit to whom? Um, they benefit, they benefit the right people right now who are in a position to keep these laws on the books. Like it's 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 simply a matter. Of I fact. would love for, I would love for a crip to be like I thought that cop was a danger to me and my fellow crips. So, gang gang. gang, gang. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I would know, love for him to make that argument. You just you just need the right judge, homie. You just you just need the right judge, and then you're cooking with gas. But yeah, no, like that's that's really at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to, and that I think. Um, is, you know, perhaps one of the takeaways from this thing, as often is the takeaway from these sorts of, you know, national trials or trials in which national attention is focused, is that you can talk legal issues until you're blue in the face. It's really like, you know, what does the person in power think? That's really what it boils down to. That, that's really what it boils down to. So whether, like, whatever the result of this thing is, it's, it's largely going to be influenced by what the person in power, a.k.a. the judge at this, in this instance, thinks should happen. So I realize I didn't date this episode at the top, just so you guys know we're recording on Saturday the 13th of November. It is about 12.09 on the West Coast. And, and I say that now to say that while we were talking, we got a news alert. Uh, from the Washington Post, it says, Nations reach a climate deal at COP26, but it is not enough to head off cat- catastrophic warming. Hmm. That's the blurb. <laughs> like, you know, that's the tweet. That's the tweet. It's like your mom asks you to clean the kitchen and you put away a cup. What the fuck? No, it's your mom asks you to take the chicken out the freezer when she leaves <laughs> in the morning. And then you see her car pull into the driveway and you're like, oh, shit, I forgot to take the chicken out the freezer. <laughs> I have I, I have done. Oh, God, my mom would be so upset because I, I definitely did that. Like I definitely or, you know, she called me from work and was like, I want to make blah, blah, blah. And you like pull it out of the freezer. But what she didn't understand was that Final Fantasy eight wasn't going to beat itself. So <laughs> I was in the middle. <laughs> Yep. Yep. We at whomst among us has not been there. <laughs> um, let's talk about another tragedy. I suppose <laughs> finally this week. Uh, actually, I should say last week. Astro World uh, began and ended tragically uh, with the deaths of now uh, nine victims at the Houston. Uh, festival music festival. This is, of course, Travis Scott's music festival that he hosts down there. And was uh, set to feature groups like it does sound like it was a, a good set because Earth, Wind, and Fire was going to be there. No one's claim, no one's, no one's mad at the roster. What people are mad at is the fact that even before the performance of Travis Scott, um, there was a, a wave of fans that rushed the crowd, leading to the death of one person. And instead of shutting the performance down, Scott himself performed 
uh, throughout most of his set, including welcoming Drake onto the stage, as the crush of people continued to grow, which led to uh, people being uh, not asphyxiated basically by shoving. Um, and there's still news reports coming out to the specific uh, cause of death of, of these nine people. Uh, but what was clear, what is clear that has happened that there is a major breach on both Live Nation, Travis Scott, the artist, and the city of Houston in planning this event. Tochi, it kind of seems like almost literally everything went wrong in regards to planning a live event. And by the way, I, um, I was, uh, I had some training as a stage manager in college back when in my youth. And as part of that, one of the first things you learn when you're, when you're learning that job is the fact that you are responsible for the human beings within a space. Now, granted, I basically did this for college theaters, which I think my largest one sat about four, I want to say 465. But that being said, I was always aware of the fact that if someone gets hurt either on my stage or in the house, that the show fucking stops. And it seems like that didn't happen here. So I'm kind of curious. Also, I should also add before we, I ask you the question, Travis Scott himself has a long history of demanding that his crowds uh, go, I would say, beyond energetic uh, at his audiences. He's uh, on, two, on two separate incidences. He encouraged people to jump from heights that would injure themselves. And in fact, did end up paralyzing someone at his concert when they were shoved off a balcony in New York City. Uh, so he, he himself is not the most responsible figure here. I told you, I guess let's, uh, it's, it's, it's weird. I don't necessarily want to get into the legal liability of this, but as a lawyer, who do you think is, uh, no, I guess I, I want to, I'm not, I'm not asking about the monetary responsibility. I'm asking as like a lawyer, when you look at something like this, that happens, like, who do you think the blame on this, of this falls on mostly? It's the management team. Like not, and I mean the people that are, that are responsible for the venue. Right, like, I think, I think one of the reasons why you know the you know the Astro World tragedy is getting the attention that it's getting is that you know, one the you know the the age of the participants like it's a very 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 young crowd, two the fragility of the idea of outdoor events like concerts and things like that in this mm -hmm. current phase of the pandemic that we're in, you know there's an extra I think added layer of is this the right thing to do or is this, you know, we have to make this perfect or what have you, right? I think it's mm -hmm. up to, you know, the organizers of the venue and this isn't to completely disclaim Travis Scott of responsibility, but like, you know, if you go, if you go to metal shows, fucking mosh pits and shit. I have been in mosh pits. I have fallen in mosh pits yeah. and I was picked back up. Yeah, no, and like that that isn't by other people moshing because that's what you fucking yeah, do. Yeah, and like that and... isn't that isn't to say that it's a free for all in in every single instance, but like, you know, people have died at metal shows. People have died in, you know, EDM shows. And again, this isn't to mm -hmm. to discount, you know, the horrible tragedy that happened in Astro World, but I remember there was a period of time where, you know, rap concerts were often infamous for like the melees that would break out, right? And then there was this huge movement to like put all these restrictions on, you know, rap artists and the concerts that they could perform. And then the insurance mm. question. Right. So like it was very, yeah. very, very difficult if you had a rapper on your roster for a concert to like, you know, get insurance to cover that or it would be like prohibitively expensive. Right. And. I feel like there, you know, that's another aspect of the attention that's that's being brought to bear here. I, I think Travis Scott has a reputation for 
having just like wild fucking shows. Like if you look at any still from his concerts, there's fire in mm. it. Like it's that sort of thing. Like his his like his fans rage at his at his concerts, and that's part of mm. you know that's part of the brand. Like you're not going to see Sade, right? You're not yeah. you're not going to see Erica Badu. <laughs> I would love to see Sade at the Astro. No, I don't want to see. I hope there is no Astro World Festival. I mean, I'm pretty but sure. I, you know, I, that would I be would, an interesting. I would feeling. not be surprised I'm just if, if Travis Scott listens to Sade. Um, Can you imagine like Slipknot, also Shania Twain? I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> stranger, stranger things have happened. Um, but you know, I you know, I think you know it's. And this isn't to say that it's not the artist's fault, but I do think that it's there's so many other people whose job it literally is to make yes. sure that this type of thing doesn't happen, including like municipal bodies in the you know the city of Houston and whatnot. And especially yeah. if especially if they know the artist that they're that they're dealing with on this occasion. Like that's the thing, mm-hmm. is like if you know it's going to get particularly like rowdy you put extra precautions in place like that's your job and so i think there's this i think there's the idea to say that this is all travis scott's fault like and it's and i don't think it is like i don't think that there there are a lot of parties here that should change their behavior with regards to how this goes moving forward i don't Mm -hmm. know that travis scott is one of them right like and 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 like that isn't just like i and you know Here's the thing. I don't want to say that he's being responsible or irresponsible or whatnot with regards to how he does his shows. But, like, as an artist, you can be like, hey, everybody rush the stage. And you can still have, you know, your bounce, like, the people that are at the guardrails at the front prevent people from doing mm-hmm. that, right? And so it's not yeah. a matter of you censoring yourself with regards to, like, getting the crowd going and everything like that. It's the, mm-hmm. you know you do whatever right just like i don't know just like don't whip your dick out on stage. although like even that is like i don't i don't know some artists do that Um, i would i would actually say that's probably better than encouraging people to like but like here's the thing if you if you as an artist like you encourage people to to rush the stage it's the job of all the sort there are supposed to be all these barriers like like Mm -hmm. actual and metaphorical that are put in place to prevent harm from being done when you say that thing. Like, here's the thing. I think one of the instances, one of the, one of the aspects of this too, is that people are saying he should be charged with inciting a riot. And that's just absolutely fucking ridiculous. Like that's ridiculous. That's absolutely Mm. ridiculous. He should not be charged with inciting a riot for like telling people to rush the stage. And it's not the same thing. I, That's like it's it's just it's not it's not, it's the, not same the same thing. thing. That being said, another in his past, he has actually encouraged his audience to be confrontational with his security guard. Yeah, like and, this, and like if you're a security this, guard, you this, gotta this, eat that. Like that's your job. That's your job is you gotta I eat that. That's why you'll have that security far. guards that are like, oh man, I you know I can't. I, I'm gonna call I'm in not, sick today, or I can't. Like it's your I'm job not willing to, to eat that. I'm not willing to go. As far as to say that an artist can like actively incite a group of people to attack the people who are like their security guards. And I 100% agree that it is one, yes, whoever was the uh, like whatever the equivalent of the stage manager on this. And I know I'm comparing it to like a college thing, it's different, but like honestly, it's it's not that different mm-hmm. because in both environments, you are dealing with 
cables and heavy rigging mm -hmm. in certain instances. You are dealing, you are asking, you are welcoming people. You have sold a ticket to someone to come into a venue where you are in control of the lights and the sound and the entrances and exits. Like, mm -hmm. and there was a period during all of this where what so again the, the, literally everything that seems to have gone wrong here uh the medical staff apparently did not have the medical equipment for some of the the people who were uh, uh needing needing help uh when ambulances did get there during the show crowd got on to the ambulances and at that point as if that was as if something that happened before wasn't enough that is definitely where where the person who is in charge of the electronics the stage manager in this instance i think turns the fucking lights on and cuts the sound to Mr. Yeah. Scott, yeah. whether or not he is responsible, and says, there is a, there has been an incident. People need to leave the stage. The concert is fucking over. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. you can see a human being on an ambulance that got there to take care of another human being <laughs> like here's the and also so that the other the other element to this is there is always speaking of security there is always someone off stage who if something should happen can get him off of the stage and that person is in contact with the rest of the management for the show mm -hmm. why that person wasn't no matter what the fuck that idiot was doing, why that person wasn't told drag his ass off the stage. Like, yeah, like <laughs> I have no idea. And like, I, what, so a couple months ago, system of a down celebrated the 20th anniversary release of toxicity, which is like my favorite album. Even with that, even with that guy who's an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. 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 They, I mean, they, uh, you know, <laughs> they, they're an interesting, all my, I hate it. I hate getting older because like you're finding out that like any group that has more than four people, one of them is fucked. Exactly. Yeah. No. Ex <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and I think the other members have a very interesting relationship with with that particular member. Um, but um, there were a lot of retrospective pieces on. Can you just find? Can you just wait to find out that Method Man is anti? Is, is a he's, you know, like, he's, he's the only. He's the only like, I can't. I can't even. Don't even put that into the universe, please. <laughs> Don't I'm sorry, it. universe. I take it um, back. Method, don't do this, please. Man, please. please. Um, <laughs> don't do this. Today. But there, so there were a lot of retrospective <laughs> pieces that were published um, back in September of this year um, about that, about the lead up to the album, about the band where they were at, and there was there was a concert, like a live concert that they were supposed to do. It was sort of like a pop up thing that was like announced kind of last minute somewhere in LA. It's some, I think, parking lot or something. I forget what, what the exact location was. And they didn't expect a ton of people to go because up until that point, they only had their like self-titled album. Out. Motherfucker, if I knew, I would have stopped work no, but and like, left here's the my thing. house. Are you here's talking about? <laughs> At that point, this was before Toxicity had come out. So all they had was their self-titled debut oh, okay. album. They were- oh, this was, oh, this wasn't- No, recently. no, no, no. This was back in 2000. Oh, okay. Two, like maybe like Q3 2001. Oh, I thought you were saying they were celebrating like the 20th no, anniversary. No, no. So because of the 20th anniversary, a lot of retrospective pieces had come out and they were oh, talking, okay. they were reflecting okay. on this particular incident and they expected, I don't, I, I don't know what the initial number was, maybe like a couple hundred people, maybe like, maybe like a thousand people to show up. Yo, fam, fucking 10 times that number showed up before the show Cops shut that down, and there was an actual riot. Like atten atten attendees, like, like the... even broke their equipment and like jumped on cop cars and all that stuff. That's super crazy because I feel like even after like 
I, you know, I was in, I, that was, that was definitely a period where I was really into punk. And I feel like I would have known if I was, if, if System of a Down was coming somewhere. That's right. It like, would have attracted and, thousands of and, people. But like, that's like, the thing is like, it wasn't, people didn't, they didn't think that a lot of people knew about it or would know about it because they were still underground or at least believed themselves to still be super underground at the time. And so many people showed up. They still wanted to play, but the cops were like, nah, 86, that shit. And I think that is an instance where there are overriding powers that can stop a thing from happening, even against the artist's wishes, if it's believed that this is the best way to preserve the safety of the people involved. Mm. So all of that is to mm. say that I don't think that it's Travis Scott's job to say, don't rush the stage. Because like I was at Afropunk in 2019 and Santa Gold fucking had people on stage. Right. Like it, it's like that sort of thing. But um, it's the job of the police, of municipal workers, of stage managers, of the show, of his reps, all that stuff to keep this thing from happening, to keep this type of thing from happening. Mm. One thing that I do hope is a sort of positive consequence of this or sort of silver lining is the inclusion of mental health like tents or like trauma response units and whatnot at these places because one of the things that was being talked about a lot with regards to the astral world tra tragedy was the fucking like psychological impact of being in those situations of being in a crush oh. of seeing people die in front of you of nearly being trampled of being trampled yourself and surviving yeah. like all that stuff so i think because that's not necessarily something that was talked about a lot there were you know there are things like oh like, we'll have there, physical first about... aid tents but like to like yeah go through what you went through and not have a place set up where you could like just be walked through mm. the trauma that you had just and, and the thing about this by the way like i again i have been when i was a younger man <laughs> definitely my knees felt a lot better um i have been in uh, i wouldn't say crushes but i've been in hectic moshes i've been in hectic crowds but like there's a, a the crush is a lot is so much different and to your point it's something that scars you because you literally can't control what's happening to, yeah. to you because there are so many human bodies in such a tight space mm -hmm. and it jars you forever yeah. it can jar you forever uh i also i don't we're running pretty long i don't want to go too long on this but i also feel like uh, the city of houston is gonna have to answer for something because one of the pieces of news that broke this morning is apparently one of the things that led to the crush is the fact that there were not proper fences and turnstiles, so a lot of motherfuckers were just coming in over fences. Yeah. Which seems like something the city would probably want to investigate before the festival. Yeah. So this is a developing story, and it's an incredibly sad story, and and I just, uh, uh, it's it's bad. Um, yeah, my heart really goes but, out to all the people that were affected by this, um, you know, the victims, their families, but also everybody that was that was there and had to, you know, witness this or experience this. It really fucking sucks, especially because this is, you know, Travis Scott's fan base is incredibly passionate. They love that man, right? And so imagine, yeah. clearly, imagine you're in the midst of a pandemic and you're like in high school or you're like high school age or you're a teen and you've been going through the- Oh, this is absolutely, this is absolutely the first thing some of these people yeah, have done in a year, and year like, and a half. This, you've gone through the fucking year and a half that we've gone through and you're like, oh man, I've been looking forward to this. I finally got fucking tickets. Like, this is going to be amazing. I'm gonna have the time of my life and this happens. And I can't imagine mm. how how devastating that has to be. So like my heart really goes goes out to these people.
Well, Tochi, as you prepare to demand that your readers rush the table at the Barnes and Nobles for your tour of uh, of uh, Goliath, how can people find you? <laughs> Y'all can find me being rowdy rowdy on Twitter, <laughs> but like actually being rowdy on Twitter um, <laughs> and Twitch at Tochi True Story. Y'all can find me on the gram at Trey64. That is T-R-E-I-Z-E 64. Buy my books. You know, I'm easily searchable and Googleable at this point. Mm -hmm. But the upcoming. Buy them yes. now. Supply chain shortages. Exactly. But the one I'd be really hyped if you bought um, would be Goliath, which drops January. Uh, January 25th of 2022. It's the best thing I've ever written. It's super, super, super dope. Um, buy it now um, because, again, like Zell pointed out, supply chain issues. Um, but also, yeah, bump those pre order numbers up, man. Like, you know, fuck with your boy. Mm -hmm. It'll just get more expensive. We, we're not going to have tree bulbs. In, inflation, so, uh, too. Like, get it now before <laughs> inflation rocks your socks. Like. Yeah, this has been the happiest of episodes, hasn't it? <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I'm going to tell you. I think we're... I'm not going to make a guarantee, but we will try for, for next week's pre-Thanksgiving episode <laughs> <laughs> to do something a little bit uh, lighter. You guys can find me encouraging you to rush your TV sets when my TV show is on. I don't care. I'm not there. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram at AzelWill. You can find my website AzelWill.com with more information on my works and writings. Uh, email us at InnerCitizens at gmail.com. Again, that's InnerCitizens, all one word, at gmail.com. What do you guys think about, you know, the Rittenhouse trial and what's going to come out of this and Astroworld and, and, and also, you know what I'd love to hear some positivity? How are you guys getting out there safely. I'll just say uh, one good piece of news I have is that this afternoon, I'm going to go get my, my my booster shot. I'm going to be triple Derna. So, you know, I'm not fucking around <laughs> with this virus. Yeah, so email us, let us know. Also, let your friends know. Uh, hashtag InnerCitiesPod uh, on Twitter and tell everybody that we're the show to check out. Until next week, guys, you got one more week before Thanksgiving. Prepare yourselves for the interesting levels of bullshit to come from your families. I, oh, dear God, the darkness, the dark times, they are coming. Until next week, I am Aza Williams. I am Toshio Nyobuchi. We is never finished. We is never done just preparing, preparing to hear so much ridiculousness. Because we love our families and what they think about the world and who is responsible for the bad things in it is important to hear. Yes. 